Um, we're going to be going further down the chart today. I promised you that we would go uh, down in terms of distance from wisdom. We're going to go a little bit further with that today. I wanted to mention something, uh, particularly for the leaders. I did a couple of books on fools. Uh, fools and Follies is one of them. The other, called Self-Defeating Strategies. Uh, some of you, you leaders may be interested in picking them up, may not be. Uh, they're too expensive for you college students. And I'd, I put out the first of a kids' adventure series, a fantasy adventure series. Uh, I have one of these with me. They're ten, they're ten bucks. Uh, but I, I have a couple of these in case anybody wants one. Uh, we're going to be dealing with the halal fool during this uh, time, but I'd like to back up just a moment <clears throat> to the evil that we talked about yesterday, the badger, remember? We dealt with the opossum, the badger, and the what? The opossum, the badger, and the dodo. Uh, here's a statement that Scripture makes about this particularly evil-type person. Uh, you may have run across this in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 14.1. Uh, here's the way it reads in the New International Version. A wise woman builds her house, with her, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Literally, how this verse reads is, a wise woman builds, constructs, raises up her house. Eveleth tears it down. And it's referring to an eveleth woman, but it's also this category of eveleth, this, this folly that is absolutely determined to have my own way. Uh, whenever, whenever you get into this stubborn determination, and you go so far... Uh, particularly the evil uh, person who is so determined they're going to have what they want and just unrelenting in the pursuit of it. According to the scripture, this type of person will actually destroy their own support base while they get what they want. We have an expression in English, uh, a metaphor, cutting off your nose to spite your face. What does that mean? You look at your face. You look in the mirror. See your face is not what you wish it was. So you just whack your nose off. Well, I'll show that face. And of course, the result is if you thought you were weird before, Evelith uh, will actually once it gets really going in a person's life as they begin to blossom. Uh, this thing of tearing it down with her hands uh, talks about the destruction of things. Literally, the, the word that's used for hand is right hand. And it's the, the right hand, open right hand. And it represents a person's power and ability. So what, what it's saying is that once, once a person really gets into this stuff, they will use their power, whatever power they have, to even destroy their own support base and um, in, in order to win and have what they want. And you know, whenever you, whenever you blow away the ladder that you're climbing on just in order to get to the top faster because that bottom part's just so heavy, that's just not smart. 
But you know, we, we can get in that mode, particularly once we get angry and bitter toward people. So again, uh, this stuff looks like it has the appearance of wisdom. There's such strong determination. But boy, they, they can turn on you. We're going to deal with the, the halal fool and the nabal. This afternoon, we're going to take a look at the roadmap of wisdom. If you want to know what the opposite of all this stuff is, there's, we're not going to go into great detail, but there is a map of the journey you need to take. The halal fool has his own approach to self-defeating strategies. Psalm 75 is one of the instances where this word occurs. I said to the fools, this is the King James, I said to the fools, Do, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. Uh, if you go to the NIV, the word is changed here from fool to arrogant. I said to the arrogant, don't be arrogant. Uh, in other places in the NIV, the same Hebrew word is used and translated fool. <clears throat> um, what the verse is saying here, uh, it's getting ready to talk about how God is the one who lifts up leadership. These people are absolutely determined to have it. And the way they're going to get it is by lifting up the horn. The, 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 that's a, an image for, a metaphor for thrusting their own power forward. They're, they're, going, they're going to aggressively push against everything in order to get themselves in first place. And then lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. Now what's being talked about is impudence. Now these people, once they get into gear and they decide they're going to have what they want, they're very arrogant, very impudent. Uh, they don't respect authority over them. And uh, they create a great deal of trouble. At this point, as we get into the halal, we have crossed the line. The other follies we've dealt with are basically different ways to exercise poor judgment. Now, there are ways to exercise poor judgment, but without necessarily being criminal. I mean, you can do mean things up here and wrong things, sin. But as we cross this line and start dealing with the halal, we start moving into the criminal edge of things. And you'll see that as we go along. The word itself, halal, means praise. It's a word that over and over and over again throughout the Psalms, you know, praise God, praise the Lord. It's halal. Praise the Lord. Uh, the way Hebrew is done, uh, it's unlike a lot of other languages. You know, languages, verbs have tenses, past, present, future, future perfect, and different kinds of tenses. Uh, Hebrew has a way of doing things so that there are different kinds of uh, intensities. Some, some, some of the ways they can change a word around deal with tense, but you can also alter the verb to communicate intensity and other things. Uh, whenever you look at all the uses of this word halal, it can be translated things like praise, uh, boast, or brag. Uh, it can be renown, you know, fame. It, it, can, it can even be mad. You know, a certain stem for it is used for David when he pretends to be nuts. He's gotten himself in with the Philistines, he and his band, and now they're going to go uh, to war against David's homeland. He doesn't want to be in the war, and he's thinking, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? I know, I'll act nuts. They won't ask me to go into battle then. 
So he's sitting around and uh, sort of pecking at wood and drawing in the dirt, and he's got spit running down his beard, and they look at him and say, oh, he's flipped out. And he doesn't have to go into battle. Uh, the word that's used for mad at that point is halal. That's a certain form of the word halal. But if you take every one of these things and you, you pull them all together and you evaluate what is the core of every use of this word, you could say it's this, center focus. If we praise God, what we're doing is we're bringing him into the center focus of the universe. Uh, the guy who is nuts, like David was playing at, at this particular point, he is the center of attention. Everybody's looking at him saying, what is that? Now, the person who's being, who has renown, it's even used for a marriage ceremony, or who's being married to the center of attention. What the halal wants is they want to be the center of it all. They want to be the center of attention. They want to be the center of power. And they have a strategy for getting there. Uh, they, they want the praise. They want the glory. So I've called this the glory way. If you can sort of summarize their approach to getting what they want in life without taking God into account, it's this. They want the glory way. The casile, he just wants the easy way. You know, I don't want to work too hard. Surely, surely there's a magic key. The avil, it's my way. I know what ought to be done. And you ought to do it. Or I'm going to be mad. Well, for the, for the sackle, it's the fun way. You know, where can I gratify myself? Oh, there it is. The world just went away. And they have what they wanted, a terrible price. For the halal, it's the glory way. This is a person who wants to be the center of, center of attention, the center of focus. They want the limelight. They want to be first. The New, New Testament talks about a character named Diotrephes. He's a pastor who's risen up in a church, obviously a more immature one. And uh, he's doing all kinds of things to, to secure his leadership. And John writes, writes about him. He says he loves to be first. Well, this, that's the type of character we're dealing with here. In their perspective, God is just not a factor in life. There may be a God, uh, you can read Psalm 73, which is a psalm about these people. Um, God is just not going to be a factor. They say of him, the psalm says, the Almighty, does he have knowledge? No, does he really know what's going on? They're not saying there is no Almighty, but they're saying he really needs to get a clue. <laughs> and it turns out they really need to get a clue. Now, what they value, limelight, Leadership and impressing others. They just really want people impressed with themselves. Uh, their attitude is arrogant. These people push themselves forward. Uh, you can see the key tool down there, pushiness. Characteristics, they're self-promoting. This person comes equipped with a built-in brag sheet. Uh, they, ha they, uh, they have a long list of all their accomplishments and all the excellent things they have achieved. Now, uh, they probably have photographs uh, to go with all of them, which is not bad necessarily. But at a moment's notice, they can whip out the list and just let you know casually 
how excellent they really are. Uh, some of these people are athletes. Some are artists. Uh, some are in business. Uh, so many are in politics. Uh, they are highly competitive people. You know, to be highly competitive is not wrong. It all depends on what your purpose is. Uh, these people, self-promoting, boasting. They're, they're, they're constantly out to advance their own cause. You know, they, they will volunteer for leadership. And likely, if you volunteer before they do, they will step on you on their way to volunteer. Uh, they're scheming. Another major characteristic. These people build schemes. And I'll tell you what. Most of them are really effective schemers. They intend to have leadership. They intend to, they intend to be number one. They intend to be first. They want the praise of people. And they know how to go about getting it. Uh, the Casillos, they're, they're bad planners. The Avils, they're usually pretty highly diligent. They intend to have what they want. And one thing they're diligent about is making you conform. The Sockles, they, they wouldn't even know what letter of the alphabet diligent begins with. You know, they, they have, they've, by the time they're fully in this stage, they've become so impulsive that they're here and there in different places. But this person, the Halal, they're very often diligent planners and diligent in execution. And, and they're very perceptive in scheming to get what they want. Uh, we'll take a look at their performance. Then I want to give you an example of one uh, in the scripture, some others other than diatrophies. Performance, self-praising, boasting, bragging. And uh, you being college students, you know all about this, right? I mean, whenever I said they have their built-in brag sheet, there's a lot of laughter in the audience. Now, one of the, one of the things there's a lot of pressure to do in college is once someone, particularly once a halal starts sharing how excellent they are, is to just get incensed and say, that is just so uncool. If they think they're that excellent, I'm going to show them how excellent I am. And so we begin to compete with our own boasting. Um, Self-praising, boasting. Scripture says, really, you ought to let another praise you, not, not your own lips. And if you begin to try to practice that, one of the things you discover is most other people just don't realize how excellent you are. And if God's going to be the one the praise comes from, God just takes an awful long time. But it's real important that you learn to let others praise you in due time. So self-praising, boasting, bragging. Um, and, and some of them are not very cool in the way they go about it. Others are really sophisticated. But the same thing is happening. We're talking about me. Uh, they're arrogant and demanding uh, Psalm 5 talks about this. Uh, to, to be proud is to have a certain kind of joy in who you are and what you've done. It's not completely wrong. There is a bad side of proud, though, that wants to use what I have done or what I've accomplished or, or where I come from, my heritage, to look, 
to, to feel better than other people. That kind of pride is wrong. Uh, proud people, a couple of words that run with them, are arrogant. Arrogant means I demand more for myself than I really do. And uh, usually arrogant and pushy go together. I don't want to demand it, I'm going to get it. Another word is haughty. Haughty describes someone who looks down on other people as being inferior. Now, pride wants to feel better. Haughty looks down at others. According to the scriptures, we all have equal worth before God, believers and unbelievers. Uh, God loves human, humankind. Those who are his children, he loves in a special way. But he, he has a written a basic value on every human being. And whenever we get into pride, boy, we really challenge God to come after us. Pride is the only sin I know that says that God goes nose to nose against you. You know, 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, uh, says to submit yourself to the authorities you're under, basically. And humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. But it says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Could you imagine playing flag football and getting down on the, on the front line and looking across the line and seeing God right there? I, I would call time out myself. <laughs> but you know, the way our hearts are, how, how like the, the, the folly of the halal is one of the things that's embedded in our hearts. And very, very easily we shift into pride. All of us struggle with pride. These people make it a specialty. And they tend to be very demanding of other people, feeling like they deserve more. They're impudent. They're cocky. Or contemptuous. They don't, they don't mind uh, putting down people, putting down authority. Um, they're pushy. Uh, most of us don't like pushy people. Uh, these people are one of the reasons. Because they are. They start early in life. Uh, they become bullies in, place, in, in elementary school. And uh, as time goes on, some of them remain bullies. Others discover a more socialized way, a more socialized way to be competitive and to get ahead and push themselves forward. Now, some of them become academically excellent. Others become excellent at sports. Others excel in drama, music, or, or literature. Not all people who excel in these areas are halals. But these provide ladders for this person to push other people off and get ahead and, and prove they really are excellent. Um, they carry on intrigues, covert schemes and plots. They're willing to use lies, catch this, lies, threats, and violence if necessary in order to get what they want out of people. Now the Casillo, he's just a liar. The, the Avil, that person is, is intimidating because they get so upset. We just don't want to deal with them. But this person will actually threat, threaten you and do you damage if necessary. Uh, lies don't require physical damage. But what, they, what, they're willing, what they're going to do is they're going to cut other people off at the knees and they're going to have first place. Um, they're quite successful, capable leaders. They pursue the shortcut to leadership. You see, God says the way you become a leader is you, you begin to serve. In the kingdom of God, 
people need help. You know, people need help setting up chairs. People need help getting cars fixed. You look for opportunities to serve, you begin to serve. Over time, God will test you on your serving to see if you're really serving for them or just to get you ahead. You pass the test, God begins to give you leadership in the lives of other people. If you are faithful with that leadership, he begins to raise you up more and more and more. The halal is not not willing to serve others. They want to be served, and they keep trying to figure the shortcut to leadership. So they're, they're very, actually, they, they read people well. They know how to plot. They know how to scheme. They know how to plan. And they've, they've got the leadership skill. They just never get the heart. Some of these people are on church staffs. Some of them are senior pastors. Some of them are chief deacons. Or getting ready to be after they cut the chief deacon off. Some of them lead ladies' organizations. They're very capable leaders. They pursue the shortcut to leadership, power, and glory. They undermine the leaders over them. Uh, they drive division in a group, and then they pull their faction out. Uh, one, one example is Absalom. Uh, if you study this fool in the scripture and you look at the life of Absalom, the scripture does not use the term for him, but he does everything that they're about. Absalom is a big, handsome guy. He, he, you know, he's hunk of the year. He, he was voted most, most sexy man alive by People Magazine, 1000 BC. And, you know, he had, he had this phenomenal head of hair. He's an incredibly handsome guy, very intelligent. He had courage. And boy, he was shrewd. He got tired of waiting on daddy to die. And, uh, he, he, he'd already plotted several things and carried it out very well. He decided to take the kingdom. And he just wake up one day and say, I want to take the kingdom. I'm going to rebel. He laid a, he laid a plan. That plan took quite a bit of time to develop. One of the things he would do is he appointed a group of 50 guys to run in front of his chariot through the city. Make way for Absalom. He's starting to increase his prestige. Then he goes out and stands on the way for people coming in to get their court cases decided. And he says, you know, there's really nobody from the royal family to decide your case. But if I were king, I would see that justice was done. Really, there were people. But he's cutting them off. And they, they say, oh, this is Prince Absalom. They bow down. He picks them up and he kisses them on the cheek and just treat him like an equal. And the scripture says this way over months and months, he stole the hearts of Israel. He lied about his father. And he actually he lied about himself if he were king. He wouldn't care less about him. But boy, he knew how to play to the audience. At the right, and he pulls together a group of key leaders to help him. At the right moment, he gets permission from the king to go away to an ancient seat of the kingship to do a sacrifice. Really what he's going to do is he's going to proclaim his kingdom there. And he does. He proclaims his kingdom. Suddenly, the nation is at war, and David, his father, is aghast. Because he knows Absalom, at least this much. He knows that whenever Absalom plans, he gets the job done. And David basically says, you know, all is lost unless God comes through. Absalom is in rebellion. As it turns out, God does come through. And Absalom gets an early death. But the man is shrewd. He is capable. 
And he almost takes the nation. These, these people are, are really, uh, they, they create an, an amazing amount of trouble. Uh, verbally, they're self-praisers. They talk arrogantly, talk like they, they own and they lord over everything, or at least they ought to. Uh, they can be very malicious in what they say about people. But if they are, they'll say it intentionally. They won't get mad like the Avil and say something nasty. They'll say it in order to destroy someone. Uh, they, and again, they use threats. This is, I, I know deacons who've done this. Uh, one of my friends was pastoring and led the church to uh, reach into the community. They won people from different ethnic groups. And the particular ethnic group he was from, this old deacon was not real happy about it. He came in and told the pastor one day, you're going to change this, 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 and this. The old man had a lot of power in the church. And the pastor said, I don't think so. The Lord has led us this way. And the old man began to cuss him, curse and swear. And, uh, and he told him, he said, if you don't, I will have your job on Wednesday night at the business meeting. Uh, my pastor friend happened to have good sense. He pulled a tape recorder out of his desk and the guy watched it going round and round. He said, uh, that's fine with me. He said, I'll just play this for everybody before you do. And I asked my friend, I said, what did you do then? He said, well, he stormed out. And he said, I began looking for another church real quick. Uh, the Halal was the pastor, the lay guy. It was really the pastor of the church. He had no respect for anyone. He kept his power intact. Uh, anyway, these people, are, these people are very successful schemers. Uh, when they are full-blown, you know, they use threats and lies. They also tend to work with a posse. You know, they, they gather a group of people about them, a group of henchmen, that help them carry out their deal. I've watched church splits develop over the years. At the center of the split will be one of these people, maybe a man or a woman. They'll pull together a group of henchmen around them, and they'll start the malicious talk and gossip and lies, and they'll, they'll pull key power people in with them, until the right time occurs, and then they'll rise up and drive a split in the church. And uh, they really need to be fought. Because these people are damaging the kingdom of God. What often happens in a church split situation is a person who's pastoring, if they're a genuine person, I mean, uh, generally called to the Lord, they, they get very hurt because they, they don't want to hurt the church. They don't drive division and split this thing. They think there must be something wrong with them. And so they, they get hurt, and they withdraw, and then this bunch rules. This happened in my home church. And uh, the old man who had founded the church and pastored it for 40 years was driven out by a group of halals that pulled together and uh, dishonored in all kinds of ways. And he was a godly man. No one would say anything about it. They just let it go. Everybody said, oh, this is terrible. He's such a fine man. But no one would face these aggressive, pushy people. And they let, they let them rise up and run him off. You know what happened to the church? That was about 1970. It was running about 1,000. It's had a hard time getting over 150 since then. And the community that's been growing. 
If you don't, if you don't deal with these people, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, the scripture says, you know, you see the innocent being dragged off to slaughter. You don't just stand by and say, oh, God, save them. You get involved. Really, if you're a spiritual leader, uh, this is why God gave you a shepherd's rod. You're going to knock him about the head. Paul says in Acts 20, 28, he's, he's talking to the elders of the Ephesians church, a church he planted earlier. He's come back through visiting. They've grown tremendously. Paul says, I'm probably not going to get to see you guys ever again. But I, w- I want you to understand some things. He says, the, the flock of God, the church, the Holy Spirit's made you overseers. And you're the guys who look over the flock, make sure everything's okay. He said, I know that after my departure, after I leave here tonight, two things are going to happen. Savage wolves are going to come in from the outside, and they're not going to spare the flock. They're going to destroy it. And from among yourselves, your own selves, men will rise up. They're going to push themselves forward. Speaking perverse things, you know, untruth, doctrinal untruth, or wrong things, in order to draw away disciples after themselves. And he, he challenges them to take care of the church. One of the things that if, you, if the Lord ever calls you into professional ministry, one of the things you just need to be prepared for, friend, is combat with these people. If you read the New Testament church, it has a very frank way of dealing with these people. You warn a divisive man, this is in Titus 3, you warn a divisive person once or twice, and then after that, you dismiss them from the church. Because they've, they've already proven who they are. They're self-condemned. As I went through seminary, we had courses on leadership. And the general feeling was something like, oh, that's just so cold. We need to understand their backgrounds. Uh, no, you don't give these people access to destroy God's people. So, uh, when, they, when they're in full bloom, they're people like Al Capone, Frank Nitti. Uh, John Gotti, they're they're the heads of organized crime. They love the display. They have power and glory. You know, the cameras follow them around. They're the best parties at mansions they live in. And they hurt people. Uh, Most most people don't become full-blown dictators or crime family leaders, but they become the sources of trouble in community organizations and churches and families. Now, the forecast... They tend to do well in material terms and may live lavishly. Uh, in full bloom, they become leaders, crime families, or dictators. God allows them to blossom for an extended time, and then suddenly they're destroyed. One day, boom, they're gone. The day before, they look great, but this day, they're gone. I saw a guy lying in the street on a newscast at a New York restaurant. And several bodies still bleeding. Uh, a, a crime shoot, or a mafia shooting had been done. This man had been one of the leaders. He was lying there face down, bleeding, dying. And a cop looked at him and said, over this national broadcast, these fellows rarely die in bed. You know, right, right before the machine guns arrived, he was great. But in a moment, he's gone. So they become a problem for God's people because we look at them and we see how long they prospered and we begin to get angry with God. But then suddenly one day the bulldozer shows up and the house is no more. Um, the animal, my animal for them is peacock. 
for all the display. Well, they love to just spread the tail feathers and strut. And then another one, a wild horse, a wild stallion, because they will fight savagely for dominance. Now, they may set the stage for a criminal personality. Um, if you have halal tendencies yourself, you are pushy. You, you are a capable person. You tend to sort of push and on through. It's okay to be competitive, but if you tend to, to exalt yourself, you need to learn to become a servant. Uh, you have God-given leadership ability, but it will never be useful in the hand of God until your heart becomes for the people you lead. If it's for you and your prestige, God will delay exalting you. And you'll be tempted to push yourself forward. Don't push yourself forward. Serve. You serve, and God promises, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. That's a promise. He also makes the promise that if you exalt yourself, and he allows us to do that, he will humble you. That means the higher you go, the bigger the splatter circle when you come down. So, not, not many people are halals. There are a few. Uh, 20% maybe, 10%. The next one, the predatory way, is a person who is much less percentage, but, but a very dangerous person. This is the, the Nabal. Their folly is Nabala. In the scripture, this person is called the villain. And uh, sometimes translate his uh, folly is translated villainy. He is, he is a dangerous person. Over a time period, these people develop until they come into full blossom. And in full blossom, uh, they, they literally are deadly. Uh, Isaiah 32, 5 and 6 is probably the best concise statement about this person. No longer, it's talking about the day whenever the Lord sets things right. No longer will the Nabal be called noble, nor the scoundrel be highly respected. These people, regardless who they are on the inside, they, they are two-faced enough to where they can gain a great deal of social prestige and respect. Uh, for the fool, the, the Nabal speaks Nebala, his folly. His mind is busy with evil. The halal, he's not so busy with evil, he's busy with getting ahead. But this person is busy with causing harm. He practices ungodliness and spreads error concerning the Lord. One of the marks of a lot of the halal, or the Nabals, is uh, they intentionally spread false doctrine. We'll look at that more. How does he, how does he make his money? The hungry, he leaves empty. The thirsty, he withholds water from them. This guy, this guy delights to prey on the poor. And what little they have, he gladly takes away. A profile of this person. Sometimes these are women, often they're men. His perspective, he's atheistic. The other, the other fools might be religious to an extent, like the cycle, you know, he just knows all about God, won't do anything, but he knows all about God. Or the Casilla and the Avil, who, well, maybe there's a God, but he's not going to be a factor. Uh, this person says, this is, there's a verse that says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. That verse literally says, the Nabal says in his heart there is no God. 
And then it goes to talk about how despicable and low and disgusting these people are. Now, they're exceptional. Basically, they are rational, ethical atheists. They believe there is no God, and they realize that if there is no God, then there's nobody at home in the universe to tell what's right or wrong. And if God is not there, then what is right? Who decides what's right? Well, maybe a king. Maybe, maybe a society votes. But there's no real ultimate right or wrong. It's just what these people say. And if I'm slick enough, if I'm smart enough, I don't have to pay attention to them. I can do anything I want. And I can do anything I want to people. I just have to be slick enough to get away with it. There are no boundaries for these people. Jeffrey Dahmer, the homosexual cannibal murderer, uh, he, he made a statement. I heard him make it on national TV. He said, I believe that we all just came from the slime. He later, in prison, he became a Christian. But he said, I believe we all came from the slime by evolution. He said, you know, you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing else happening. He said, there's, there's no God or anybody. So I saw no reason to restrain my behavior for anyone. He said, I did what I wanted. But he said, now I realize that Jesus Christ, this is on the secular broadcast, I realize that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and the earth, and my behaviors had to change because I'm going to give an account to him. Well, see, the person who's not made that, that discovery yet, who is in the ball, they don't care. These people have no boundaries. Um, there's no God. I have no moral boundaries. None. Murder, torture, mass murder. There are no boundaries. Their values, they, what they really value is exercising their will to do whatever they want. They feel sort of like a God. They, they, they impose their will on others and hurt them. Their attitude... They're two-faced, so they appear to be nice. But down underneath it all, they are completely without mercy. I mean, their victims could scream day and night for weeks. It would not touch their heart. Mercy has died within these people. There is no mercy. Uh, they're atheistic. They are ruthless. This means no good resides in this person. Ruth is a word that means good. They're ruthless. There's nothing they will not do. Now, it doesn't mean everyone will do the same thing. But there's just nothing they won't do. There is no good in there. Uh, they joy at other people's pain. They want to see people hurt. Um, their key tool is cruelty. They will, they will deceive. You know, they'll, they'll have that nice face until they get close enough to strike a victim. And then it's cruelty. They're going to do what's cruel. Now, they're corrupted in character. There is no soundness, purity, integrity anywhere in the person. Uh, the scripture calls them disgustingly depraved. They do filthy acts. They refuse to do the genuinely good. They're two-faced, good public image for a time. Over and over again, whenever one of these characters is discovered, what everybody says is, it's just hard to believe this is true. He was such a nice person. She was such a nice lady. It's just hard to believe there are 18 bodies buried under his house. That was a guy in Chicago. Oh, 23 bodies buried under his house. 
uh, young men he had drugged and raped and murdered. Uh, such a nice person. Uh, so this means they're hard to detect. Uh, verbally, one of the things it shows, them, shows though, is they are really hard on people. They reproach people. They, they, they attack people verbally. They get upset. Now the avil, they just go on a tirade, but this person just scaldingly deals with people. They also reproach God. They speak error about the Lord. If they're religiously interested, they will actively promote wrong things. That's done several times in the Old Testament. A cruel predator, they're inwardly working on harm all the time. It's hard to tell it, but it's going on. They're a cruel predator, merciless to their victims. Judges talks about this. They are sexual predators. Uh, In the Bible, the people that are in this category uh, are adulterers and people in in the promiscuity. Not all in promiscuity, but a lot of them. Uh, they're uh, rapists. Uh, um, homosexuality fits in the category. And homosexual rape. There's a group of homosexual rapists at one place. Um, there's a, a guy named Amnon who rapes his half-sister, beautiful half-sister, one of the sons of David. And he plots, gets her in the right place, and then rapes her. He's been so in love with her. And then he throws her out and has no mercy on her. Uh, it turned out Absalom was her brother. Nabals are good at getting away with a scheming for a victim or two or three or four or five. But Halal's always win. So it takes Absalom two years to lay the plot to kill this character, but he does it. Nabals, they, they tend to plot well for a time and then they sort of lose it. The Halal's, they tend to be effective. So, sexual predators, financial predators, a guy named named Nabal is in this passage. They deprive the poor. Uh, Very often they're in religious professions. In the Old Testament, they're some of the false prophets, using their religious profession to promote false doctrine about God, and then, you know, and to make money, and then to get close enough to the women where they can commit adultery. Uh, whenever, you, whenever these people show up in religious professions, the attitude of the Bible is, this, this just happens, so watch out for it. This is talked about in Second Peter. He says, just as there are false prophets in the Old Testament, there will be false teachers among you. And he talks about how they come in from the outside. These are the wolves. They come in from the outside. They get settled down in the church, begin to promote false doctrine. What they intend to do is they intend to create their own little kingdom and make some money out of people. And they will say anything under the sun. They don't care about the people. They're ruthless. They're merciless. We, we, these make it on national TV. We had one several years ago who's bringing in about $10 million a month. His ministry went down, down in Dallas. And whenever they found out that all those prayer cards people sent in for him to pray over were still in the envelopes. They pulled the check and thrown the envelopes in the dustbin out back. The garbage bin. And so they began to investigate him. Come to find out, the guy the guy had discovered years ago that he could go into a religious profession and make millions. He was a salesman. And I'd watch him on TV. He was in the more charismatic end of things. I'd watch him on TV and he'd do his stuff. And I'd always get the willies after about three or four minutes. Because he had eyes like a snake. 
the face would change to rapturous glory whenever he would do some of his prophecies. And then he'd be crying a few moments later over the state of the world, but the eyes never changed. Not told Darius, I don't want to condemn the man, but he just gives me the willies. I said, something's just not right there. Well, these people put on a good face. Uh, they have shown up in the Catholic Church, sexual predators uh, in the priesthood. This kind of thing occurs, you deal with it. You anticipate it, you deal with it. They need to be thrown out on their ear. They need to be dealt with. Now, they show up in, in uh, Protestant churches, they need to be dealt with. You see, religion is a great way to draw close to victims. Um, forecast. They may come from a wide range of society, from outcasts to princes, philanthropists. But they're people worthless to the community because what they do undermines the health of the whole community. Uh, they're, they bring them in danger of judgment from God. Uh, Nabals are a devastating blow to their parents. Scripture says that, uh, and I have verses for you to read that have this in it. Scripture says that if you, if you father one of these, there, there will be no joy for you. And the, the word is that occasional brightness and you know, sort of great time that comes in life. It says that goes away. Uh, while the Nabal succeeds in predation, they come to a typical end. In, in the scriptures, uh, they die. Either the state executes them, an avenger gets them, or sometimes God steps in and intervenes. Um, my animal for them is the alligator. Why? You ever seen one of those pictures of the alligator cruising just below the surface? The eyeballs are up here, the nostrils are sticking out, and all the rest of it's underwater. They'll submerge, come up, they get close enough, then they submerge, and they come up, and the victim's gone. That's the way these people are. Uh, they set the stage for the psychopath, or the sociopath, I think. Uh, these, there's just no conscience. These people are in gangs. They didn't necessarily start out that way. False doctrine enters the church through liars whose consciences are seared. There is no conscience now. And they'll say anything to get what they want. Uh, Nabals, they prey on people. You know who they like best of all? Dodo birds. Alligators love dodo birds. And you'll see this in the news, in the news, newscasts, and in the newspapers again and again. And the ball might marry, might not. But the Nabal is a character who will marry someone, pull, pull out a, a big insurance policy on them, and then kill the person and hide the body. Uh, many women have done that, and many men have done it. There's just, no, just no conscience there. And the ball, very often, picks out a cycle to shack up with, to live with, without marriage. You know, the cycle is usually into drugs. They have this impulsive lifestyle. And a, a guy in the ball, particularly, he moves in with a single mom cycle. Well, he's, he's got a great life. He's got sex with her. She's passed out. He's got sex with her kids. Most child abuse is done by boyfriends of single moms living in the house, predators. Most child sexual abuse. There's some done by others. But the vast, vast majority of it, 
is out of these types of characters taking advantage of a woman whose life she no longer has control of. So you'll see, you'll see these stories again and again in the paper. The halal, if they marry someone, uh, they may actually love them for a little while, but they're going to use them to get ahead. They tend to outgrow their mates. Now, when this person no longer has any functional value in advancing them their goals, they drop them. They'll, they'll find someone to help them further on. So these things, these things run through life. If you, if you have the Nabal tendencies, uh, you need to get out of it quick, friend. I, I can't prove this, but I've got a suspicion that this kind of thing starts with hurt. In Jeffrey Dahmer's case, his dad, who wrote a book about the whole situation, his dad was getting his doctorate. And for about seven years, had almost no involvement in his son's life. While his son turned 12, 13, 14, 15. Crucial years in the boy's life. Dad was totally self-absorbed over here. He said, Jeffrey began to sink into himself. And I never noticed it. Uh, I, think, I think what happens is kids get hurt. And they grow bitter, like the avil. But over time, the enemy begins to play with that bitterness. And they're not aware of the enemy. And that bitterness turns destructive. Not just resentful, but it turns destructive and cruel. And there will come a day when that begins to come out in the way people are treated. If, you, if you've been hurt in the past, again, you've been really hurt, and you've had a temptation to sear your conscience, just sort of cut off the feeling within you so you won't be hurt again, don't do it, friend. Forgive. One of, one of the best things in the world you can have is a tender conscience. People will mock you for having it, but you need a tender conscience. And one that, one that hears the Holy Spirit and responds. So if you've ever been tempted to seal off and just let the feeling die and move on like an iron man or an iron woman, let it go. Go before God, get some help from spiritually mature people, <clears throat> and let this thing go. The halal, the halal really needs to use their strength to serve others. They need to become a big, strong plow horse. Or maybe a war horse. Instead of just a wild stallion. The Nabal, the Nabal really needs to begin to care for people. Because they don't. They need to begin to open their heart up, let God do a work in their heart, and begin to care for people. If you deal with Nabals, one of the things you understand is they could revert. You love them anyway, and you just stay real close to them and help them get straightened out. But um, these people are dangerous. The attitude of Scripture is these are just different ways to mess up your life and other people's too. <clears throat> people look at what they want in life. You know, the Casile, he wants the mansion, he wants the glory, and he wants to rest right now. The avil, they know what ought to be done, they know what people should do, and they're going to make them do it. Uh, they're going to get their way. They don't really want to rule people. That's the while. They want to rule people. The avil just wants their way. The cycle, oh man, he's burning hot with desire, and he's got to have it gratified, or she has. The halal, that phrase, the power and the glory. That, that's what they want. <laughs> The Nabal, they love to exert their will to cause harm. 
They're, they're the, they love win-lose strategies. But you know, causing other people harm doesn't bring happiness. There's a way to walk, a way of wisdom, that leads to very good things in life. And we're going to talk about that in the next round. You have uh, at the end of, right here, um, <clears throat> a summary of the strategies. Do you have that on your handout? Okay, well, let me just give it to you just quickly. Casile, they trust in the wrong things and lie. Lazy liars. You don't have to write it down. Just get it in your head. You've got it in your notes already. Evil, stubborn, demanding, and reactive. Sackle, fun in the moment. Halal, bully and threaten to get your way. Exalt yourself. Nabal, harden your heart and be out for yourself alone. But these are self-defeating strategies. There is a God at home in the universe. He is a sovereign God. He rules all of life and history. And he's a moral God. He will bring judgment on things. And he's also a patient God. You know, if, if every time somebody did something wrong, the divine finger ran down out of the clouds and went, <laughs> just sort of mashed him like an ant on the table, we'll all be trying to be righteous. God doesn't do that immediately. And you know what that makes us think? Instead of saying, oh God, thank you for being so gracious. What we say is, maybe he's asleep. I'll try that again. And we do it again, then the divine finger doesn't come down out of heaven. And then we do it again, and then we do it again. And one day God brings consequences and we cry out, God, what's wrong with you? Why are you so unjust to me? Or to my friend. It's not that he's unjust. He's just been merciful for so long. Don't mistake the mercy of God for the inattention of God. God wants a good life for you. God offers a great life for you.